Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. Hey there, welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. It is game week. September 1st, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we got games tonight, so this is going to be uh, be a fun podcast. We're going to do some more, uh, I don't know, stray away from what we've done in the past a little bit, which is more, you know, nuts and bolts and do a little bit, have a little bit more fun. We're going to do our game-by-game game predictions today. We're going to pick the Big Ten uh, slate against the spread and uh, – maybe come up with some more fun stuff as the season goes on, just to kind of stray away a little bit from the, uh, the, the nuts and bolts of what we talked about with Iowa breaking down. We'll still do all those things. But we're going to add a little bit more fun into the podcast. Hopefully I uh, wanted to thank our sponsors. Uh, you heard from some of them at the top. You'll hear from some of them uh, with messages uh, in between in the middle of this podcast. And then we're still working on some, um, some audio and scripts for some of the other folks that came in, but wanted to thank Wild Rose Casino. Um, who else do we have? Edward Jones, um, Ariza. Systems Unlimited. Yep, Ariza, that uh, Asian restaurant and bar. They are celebrating their fifth anniversary this year and uh, really fresh Asian cuisine over there. Scott and I talked about them last week. I still haven't had a chance to get out there, but we'll do so at some point this fall um and systems unlimited uh want to let you know that support for the podcast does come from systems unlimited celebrating 50 years providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout east central iowa a list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org we also have street maintenance who now as you'll hear has uh, an ad in the podcast so Thank you to them as well. Uh, We keep adding them, and that's good news for us. Uh, Perez Tacos will be on with us soon, uh, as well as Deary Dodge. Uh, I forget what other uh, cars they sell over there, but they're over on uh, Highway 1. Deary Dodge, I know that. I I won't speak out of turn, but they're coming on here soon. So thank you to all of them. And now, finally, I will introduce my partner, Scott Dockerman. (laughs) <laughs> you know there is and you know what that's that's fantastic that that many uh uh advertisers have signed up for this and sponsor this podcast and uh you know kudos to to you to pat hardy uh and for all the hard work that you've done over the last few years or last five or six years now i guess it is uh preps you know it, the the uh, preps Part of this with Ryan Merkin has been fantastic, sorely needed in the Iowa City area where, uh, you know, the coverage had really fallen down. And uh, and as we saw, as I saw, I went 
I went and sat in the stands last Friday night at Kinnick Stadium for Liberty and City. The first oh, boy, game that was, was something, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, seventy. You know, since seventy-five, I think was the last time that there was a prep game at Kinnick. And I walked in, and I'm like, wow, the, the press box side, the west side, the grandstand was almost completely full. It was yep. crazy, and and uh, Liberty played its ass off. I mean, City just couldn't keep up, and that was a shock to me, frankly. But uh, it was it was just something else, and and that game shows the need for these websites. So kudos to everybody involved. Yeah, that was a great event, and uh, you can check out yourprepsports.com. We've got that thing covered uh, like a blanket, and if you missed anything, go back and check that out. Um, yeah, great job by the guys at uh, Hawk Fanatic and Yield Prep Sports in building this product and bringing it to everybody for free. Um, and that's due to the advertisers that we read off on here and the advertisements that you hear on the podcast. Um, where do we want to start today, Scott? Let's start with previewing uh, the South Dakota State game. I think that's probably uh, number one on on the list of to dos and. Uh, I guess we can start with um, who the heck's going to play wide receiver this week. Um, that's a good place to start. That's really the focus. And it's not, I want to be clear for folks, we're not um, disparaging guys like Alec Wick and Jack Johnson and guys that are going to have to contribute. Jacob Bostick's a, you know, a first year player. Um, but, you know, you go in and you're thinking, you know, Last year, man, that receiver's core next year is going to be salted. If you're, you're thinking about this in November, December, you got Tracy, although there was kind of rumors that he was going to go as the season went on. But Charlie Jones and Keegan Johnson and Harlan Bruce and Nico Regani back, it looked like it was going to be a good room. And then poof. And I'm not saying it's a bad room. It's a depleted room. Yeah, yeah. When you're down to six scholarship wide receivers, it's time to kind of evaluate what you've done, what you haven't done, and where you need to go. And we talked about this before sometimes in our in the recruiting part of things. And and really, I, I went through from 2000, the 2013 class onward, and um, there were 20, going all the way up, uh, there were 20 recruits from 2013 to, to 2020. And uh, of those, 11 transferred with eligibility, two moved to defensive back, one moved to running back. Only four freshman recruits finished their career as a wide receiver, and two of them are still playing, you know, in in Vines and Regani. But um, that kind of attrition you cannot have and expect to be a even a mid-level or or slightly below average unit in the Big Ten, let alone – somewhere between 11 and 14 and probably closer to 14 right now in the Big 10. And, you know, some of the things that I found fascinating was the, the, the way that they've almost built this room that they've thrown darts at the board more so than they have at any other position group. You know, they went to Texas and Florida for six different recruits and only one ended up with even a catch. And, you know, and that was a lot of that was, uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy, you know, with his Texas connections, Germanic Smith was the only one that really had a catch. But, but when you start to look at this unit going, what is going on? What have they done? Well, they do almost exactly the opposite that they do at every other position. You know, you look at defensive back, for instance, and what 
what has worked there. What have they done? They've stolen some really good DBs that went, were going to go to Mac schools. So and Geno Stone and Desmond King and, and Micah Hyde, all these other guys. They don't do that with wide receiver. Max Cooper is the only one that I can kind of remember. Um, they, and, you know, a year ago this time, they had 10 guys under scholarship. So you kind of knew that, okay, there's probably going to be a little bit of uh, uh, attrition here. But four left, and that's not good shape, you know. And and so that, to me, I, I think right now they're in a real dangerous territory. And when you, and no offense to, to Alec Wick, to Jack Johnson, to Caden Weijin, but none of them were offered a scholarship. You know, now they may play themselves into a scholarship, and Alec Wick probably will probably faster than any of them, but you just can't live that way and expect to compete for a Big Ten championship. You know, to win games, sure, you can still do that, but not to win a Big Ten championship. Yeah, and I think you've got to look at, you know, when you see this type of attrition, Scott, it's it's more than one thing, mm-hmm. and it almost is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You don't you don't have receivers to show receiver recruits like, hey, this can yeah. be you next. It, it kind of feeds each other. You talk about guys like Geno Stone and Desmond King and go down the list of defensive backs. You can sell to them, hey, Bob Sanders was heading to the MAC. Yeah. You know, you know, mm-hmm. here's your opportunity. What are you doing at wide receiver? And then when you get them here, what's going on? Right. Because they should see opportunity. You know, especially the guys from last year, mm-hmm. you know, you should be able to see opportunity there for you, but to still leave and sometimes leave for, you know, programs that are, and a lot of times in this program, Scott, it's developmental. And yeah, you may not play for two or three years, but then you hit, you know, if you develop, yeah. then you're going to play. It doesn't seem like wide receivers are willing to wait their turn. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you, you see it at other position groups, as you said. Line of scrimmage is one thing because you can feel that on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. you know, the physicality or what have you. Defensive back, uh, because of the, the reputation, that, that players are more willing to wait their turn. But I think that in some ways, you know, wide receiver is such a, I won't say a diva position, but it kind of is, where, the, you know, you expect to get out there and play. And if they're playing four or five guys, and you're not one of them, and then you see guys ahead of you, it's like, man, I want to get on the field. I want to play. And, and there's not even really that a lot of that special teams part of it that you see at the other positions. So I, I can understand the frustration, but when you look at, you know, they've put some trust in some former players um, coaching in different places, and it hasn't worked out for whatever reason, good, bad, different, whatever. Their development has worked for a few players, but not for the group as a whole. They're, you know, out of the 20 guys that signed from 13 to 20, uh, uh, you know, what nine of them didn't even catch a pass, you know, and it's like, that's, that's almost half, you know, and then, and so they've got to figure out something. And I think one of the things that they don't do there that they do at other places is whether it's get the low hanging fruit, um, steal from the Valley slash Mac guys, whatever. When you look across the way at South Dakota state, um, they have twins, um, the janky twins who uh, combined for like 114 catches last year. They're from the middle of South Dakota. You can't go to them and and like that you did with Seth Benson um, and grab them. You can't go to a Mac kid and flip them and turn them to to go over to Iowa they just don't do that very well. Or don't and do there's that so all. much talent in Chicago 
and St. Louis and Kansas City. I mean, I know you may not get the top guys, the four and five stars, but there's a lot of talent in those metropolitan areas that are really close to Iowa. Well, you know, and you look at the guys who have succeeded, you know, take a a Matt Vandenberg, for instance, Um, you know, small town South Dakota kid um, who, you know, was a gray shirt. He was one of six receivers in his class. And uh, yet he outperformed everybody by, by a long shot. And, you know, we saw it. I, I think at City High, there's that, I think his name, last name is Maddox. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at some of the other guys in the, in the area that turned out to be walk-ons. But in some cases, can you go and get that three-star guy from Rockford, Illinois, from, you know, um, small town? Jo- Charlie yeah. Jones. Perfect. Went to Buffalo. Right. And he was quality. Mm-hmm. You know, and then then the walk-ons, I mean, out of the, they've only had nine receivers <laughs> over the last 10 years that have had uh, 30 catches in their career. Three of them ended up being walk-ons and they're all capable players. You know, Charlie Jones, Riley McCarron was pretty good. Uh, Nick Easley was fantastic for the two years he was here and they earned their way in that. And I would say Charlie Jones had the kind of pedigree that you're looking for here, mm-hmm. you know, which is an athletic kid um, from the area you want to recruit. And, you know, so what's stopping them? Why are they getting only one recruit in this class, Jacob Bostic, who, you know, maybe he'll play, and I'm sure he'll play, he'll see action, but maybe, he, you know, won't make too much of an impact, or they just got to do something here, because they've had two, two nice classes in 10 years, last year's, and the 17 one with Smith and smith Barset. They've, they've got to do more of this, and they've got to get guys who can at least come in and play. And do it while they're on scholarship and not kind of cross your fingers and hope their walk-ons come through. Yeah, Smith Marset from New Jersey, Brandon Smith mm-hmm. from Mississippi. I mean, they were able to get out and get those. And that's got to be a point of emphasis moving forward. And the other component to that, Scott, is I don't want to say troubled, but disappointed maybe mm-hmm. to hear Kirk say again the other day that they just don't want to use the transfer portal. To Yeah. I, I mean – I think at some point you've got to bite the bullet and say, listen, we've got to turn over every rock if we're struggling in a given area. And Mm -hmm. I don't just, I don't see the resistance to doing that. I think he said the other day they tried for one guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the transfer portal. I'm not saying they're superstars in there, but at least guys that can help you. Well, it's one thing to to say, you know, Hey, we're not going to go after, an LSU or Alabama reject, you know, right. or somebody like that, or, and then they're going to go somewhere else. And, and maybe your style of play doesn't quite fit them anyway. And so I get that. But when you look around at, and I, I'm using the Mac in the Valley, I'm not even going to use other power five programs, but when you look at those two leagues in particular, they have a lot of really good receivers. And I, what an Isaiah Weston at Northern Iowa last yep. year, Christian Watson was a second round pick at North Dakota state. These two kids over at, at South Dakota State, you, you can't tell me that they wouldn't jump at that opportunity to go to the Big Ten, that they wouldn't say, you know, that they would rather go to North Dakota State or Northern Iowa over Iowa. That It just doesn't make sense. And, and so if they're in the portal and they have a proven track record, you could come in here and make an impact the first day. I, I just don't understand that. And now I understand why they're limited and how they want to bring guys in and the types of players they want to bring guys in and, and compete. But 
I, I think at some point you've got to completely reevaluate that. And there needs to be some pushback in the right way to ensure that, you know, maybe it's a transfer every year. You know, somebody who's been proven, somebody who can get out there and play. Charlie Jones was that way. And even though he had to sit out a year back in the old days, he probably would have played right away. Um, Oliver Martin played right away. Didn't quite climb the ladder the way they wanted or expected. Matt Quarles didn't, you know, and that's fine too. Uh, But it's just, it's when you look at this team and the defense is at a championship caliber defense, big 10 championship caliber defense, playoff caliber defense. Um, The offensive line, I think is coming along. I think the running backs are coming along. Tight end is at a very high level. Quarterback, crossing your fingers and hoping for improvement. Wide receiver, it's like, you know, because, and it's not because they can't do it. And I really don't want to say anything negative about anybody. But when you're, when you're talking about potentially two scholarship guys being available on a Saturday opener, that is just, that's a plummet. That is just, you, there's no way uh, a power five program should be in that position. Especially one that's established with a yeah. coaching staff that's been around you know, for the most part, I mean, there's been changes here in the last few years, but that's Kelvin Copeland's been here a while, um, you know, and that's his position. And, you know, your offensive coordinator can help, you know, you got to be all hands on deck with that position. Um, kind of folding that into this week's discussion uh, on South Dakota State, Scott, um, I don't know how, I mean, South Dakota State's a good program, and I'm wondering how much they're paying attention to this and formulating their game plan around, hey, Iowa's depleted at receiver. Let's load the box and make this them beat us over the top. I mean, I, I can see that as a pretty likely scenario. It has to be. I mean, if you're, if you're going to beat Iowa, you know it's going to be a grind on offense. Even though they've got a, one of the better offenses in FCS, especially style of play, they got two legitimate tight ends. They got two really good wide receivers. They've got a really good running back and a quarterback that can cause some problems. I mean, this is a unit that could score 17, maybe even 20 points on Iowa. I think they're capable of that. But they also know that they're going to have to shut down a unit and force them they're they're going to be able to run. Iowa will be able to run the ball. I mean, Iowa's going to be able to blow them off the line of scrimmage. So they got to make sure that they not only fit all their gaps, that they, some, in some cases, uh, you know, collapse the gaps in order to slow down the running game. They're not going to fear Iowa's passing game until you make them fear it. And why, do, why should they fear it? It's like, well, okay, the, you know, Arlen Bruce, okay, maybe he gets loose, maybe he gets a couple catches, who cares? Um, Keegan Johnson probably won't play with a hamstring. Um, Brody Brecht, I, this has been a long time, and you know something needs to happen here. Uh, I'd be surprised if Keegan Johnson or Brody Brecht play yeah. any extended time. I mean, we may see them, but I don't think they're going to impact this game. Could be wrong. I don't think we'll see uh, Keegan Johnson at all. Um, Brecht at some point needs to get out there. I yeah. mean, you know, otherwise, it's time to move on and buy lives. You know, let him go play baseball. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, Deontay Vines, that's a hor- that's a horrible, bad time. That one's just next. bad luck. Yeah. That one, that one, I'm not going to blame anybody right. for. No, it's, but it's, it's just like, it adds to the whole yeah. mix. You know, Jacob Bostic, you know, he's a freshman. It's his first game. You're not going to, if he does anything, 
you know, yay, you know, you, you take that to the bank and Nico Regani's out. So you're, if they're, you're, if you're South Dakota State, you're like, you know, our best path to winning is, okay, we're going to, we're going to make them beat us through the air. And if they can, hey, you know, they're the better team anyway. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. if we can make them go three yards a carry and run the ball 40 times for 120 yards, um, then we're doing our job. We're in that game. And then you, the worst possible thing for Iowa and best for South Dakota State is get in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game. Then one play can get you beat. And that's where, you know, Tucker Kraft may be the third or fourth. He and Sam LaPorta are two of the best five tight ends in the country. Uh, you know, Zach Helms is practically best friends with Seth Benson. They went to high school together. They golfed together in the offseason. You know, he had 700 yards, or I mean, uh, 250 yards. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. You know, their running back, you know, was, was fantastic in the playoffs last year. Uh, they're running, their quarterback can scoot. I mean, think of David Blau, even Dan Persa type. Yep. Um, so those guys can churn up things. And if you screw up, if, we've seen it before. And, we've, and it's not unusual that you get in the fourth quarter and it's you now three, four point games. Shoot, you're, you're you could be in trouble. Yeah, Gronowski um, played in the spring of 21. So mm-hmm. last year got hurt, I think, in the championship game yep. and then missed this last fall season mm-hmm. um, and then comes back. I think he was the offensive player of the year for that spring in the yeah. in the Valley. Um, right was one of the top freshmen in the country too so yeah. Um, was dual, up. yeah dual threat guy yeah. um keeps plays alive i was watching some film on him they roll him out a ton mm-hmm. um so that it's going to be interesting to see how iowa deals with that from a front seven standpoint in terms of you know pressuring him and and how they cover as well and uh you got to think san or uh, san diego state South Dakota State, San Diego State's on my mind a lot this week, and not for good, not yeah. for good reasons. But um, South Dakota State, um, they're going to—I mean, Laporta's on the top of every, going to be on the top of everybody's scouting report when it comes to Iowa's offense. They're probably going to bracket him. They're going to probably take him away. Maybe that opens things up for Luke Lachey. Maybe that. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the pick that clicks this week. Because he really doesn't have a lot on film that people that opponents are going to be like, hey, we got to take him away. I, I have a feeling he can have a decent day. Yeah, I think both tight ends will. I do. And I think Luke Lachey is going to start to prove himself as being a upper level one in the Big Ten this year. He's got the frame. He's got the size. He's gained 40 pounds since he's been on campus. Obviously, he has the pedigree. His dad was you know, it, it probably a, a, a member of the Hall of Very Good in the NFL, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, as an offensive lineman, three-time All-Pro. And uh, and so, yeah, I think Luke Lachey, we all saw his videos dunking and stuff. It's like, okay, this guy can play with some ball. He's going to be really good. I'm sure they're going to utilize their, their uh, backs out of the backfield. They need to. And, uh, you know, it's just they need a, a receiver to emerge. And if that's Alec Wick catching – Four passes, um, you know, on four targets, beautiful. They, they're just, you know, and I don't mean to be pessimistic because I have a lot of high hopes for this team. I think they're capable, especially on defense, of being one of the best in the country. It's just we saw last year, and the receiver position just went really 
down in flames because of injuries and transfers. So that just makes things concerning against a team that, yes, Iowa should have a clear advantage along the line of scrimmage, but also you've got a, they've got a lot of Iowans. And if it's close, it's, it's not unlike what we've seen against Northern Iowa and, and Iowa State, frankly, when Iowa State wasn't very good, that you get a close game in the fourth quarter. That other team is, is fired up to keep it going. And then you're starting to pressure up and tighten up and, and go, okay, we, we can't make any more mistakes. And they're going, let's go, let's go. So that's, that's a fear factor you might have. And we could get an answer this week, Scott, about if one or both of these kickers can handle pressure. Because it could come down to that. And it seems like Aaron Blom is the is he at least he's listed on top of the depth chart. I don't know how they're gonna do this. Kirk talked about, you know, one kicking off, one handling field goals, maybe one handles the longer field goals. The Bar Woods on Media Day said there's a chance both could play. Mm-hmm. It's a little unsettling. I mean, the kids' day was encouraging over what we saw in the spring. But there's still question marks here, and we won't know until we see them come out. And maybe it's the fourth quarter in front of 70,000 needing the kick to win the game. That's that's where it all matters. That's why any, <laughs> yeah. anybody that's ever asked me about the kicking situation, it's like, well, it's it's one thing to do it in practice. It's one thing to do it in workouts. It's another when you're you're talking about a pressure situation, I think extra points will be fine, and yeah, and probably some short field goals early in the game, they'll be fine. But but if again, if it's a tie game, if it's a, um, you know, you, you know, it even it doesn't even have to be a tie game. But if it's in the fourth quarter and Iowa's up, say seventeen to thirteen, and that field goal extends it to a twenty point lead, and and it's a thirty nine yard field goal, which is not a chip shot, but it's it should be makeable. Can Aaron Bloom? We can. Uh, you know, Drew Stevens popped that because their predecessors did without any problem. And that's what Iowa's was going to need. And um, so, uh, you know, that, that to me is going to be a real major factor. And of course, if it's last second and it's a win or lose, then the pressure amps up significantly from there. So it's all about being able to calm yourself down. I mean, Keith Duncan was about as good as it got when it came to that. He just had <laughs> you know, he thrived in that moment. He was, he was kind of like Jordan Bohannon in that way, where it was just like, you know, bring it on. I'll take it. And, and you know, he, you know, pointed at blue kisses in the opponent's direction. Yeah. And I mean, you, you hope that, you know, you know, Aaron Blum, who's been in the program and has, has well, you know, watched the other guys ahead of him has that same mentality. And Drew Stevens seems like a confident kid from the time that I've interviewed him. Um, the, the, it's it's almost like, too, is, is if they get out there and they hit one that mm-hmm. matters in the fourth quarter, man, now you're really feeling it. Now you've got that confidence the next time you go out there. Conversely, if you miss one, you know, and it costs you, maybe it becomes like the Trent Mossbrucker where your confidence kind of wavers a little bit and you don't have it. Um, so this is big early season, and I think either one of these first two games, the kicker could be could play a big role, for sure, no question. And uh, you know, if somebody could, uh, you know, over the last uh, since 2019, five times Iowa's had Iowa's kicked four field goals in a game, and uh, and all five they won, and a lot of them they needed. You know, you think about Iowa State in 2019, where they won 18-17. Because Keith Duncan kicks four field goals in four different quarters and four different weather conditions and 
light conditions and what have you, um, the, that's what's going to be important because you, Iowa doesn't have the offense. We, it hasn't been proven anyway that it can finish in the red zone because it was 128th in touchdown percentage in the red zone last year. So you're going to need field goals. And so they need to do that. So I don't know. I mean, we're, I've, I think I've thoroughly freaked everybody out now um, you know, about this game. Um, Iowa does have some significant advantages in this game, but these are the concerns that you watch when you're like, it could be, uh, it could, it could be dangerous. What's your score? 24 to 10, Iowa. I've got 31. I'm, I'm hoping for a defensive score. I've got, I've got 31, 16. Mm-hmm. So we're right in the same ballpark. What's the number on this? I saw 15 and a half. Is that right? That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're in that, uh, <laughs> we're in that ballpark there. Um, I, I think that this is where Iowa's defense rises, yeah. you know, because line of scrimmage, it will dominate this game. Clearly. It, uh, if Isaiah Especially Davis, it's defensive line against South Dakota state's offensive line. Right. They've got a couple of really good players. Mm-hmm. All-American for that level types, but I think they may be replacing three guys. They've got mm-hmm. some uncertainty on that offensive line, and that plays in the Iowa string. And not only that, this depth is unusual. It's the best depth Iowa's ever had there because when you could throw on, at least on paper, Lucas Van Ness and Y.A. Black into the game and Aaron Graves into the game, yep. um, after the running game. We had a hookup there. Apologize to the listeners for that one. That's probably my end. My internet sucks. I've been fighting with Mediacom all week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talk a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more here um, before we get to our game by game. True freshmen that are going to play, Scott, it seems like TJ Hall, Xavier Wonka, and the aforementioned uh, Aaron Graves are on the bus now. So, um, those are three. We talked about Bostic. He's probably four. Um, probably different degrees of involvement with these guys. I'm not sure what the plan is with the secondary guys. Um, Graves, you can, it's easier. You can kind of just blend him in for a certain amount of reps on the defensive line. I think that's easier to figure out than it is for the secondary. Probably similar with Bostic. You know, he's going to get his run when he gets it. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to know with Hall and Wampa how they're going to factor in, other than special teams. Sorry, just cut out there on me. Uh, when you're talking about the true fresh, I mean, uh, you know, Hall and Wampa will be special teamers primarily. Maybe Wampa gets a couple of snaps on defense. I hope so. Uh, Graves will probably be more rotational, maybe like third or fourth series on defense just to kind of get, okay, you know, after two series by the first unit, that in comes the second unit and, and here they go. And um, Bostic, I think they kind of press him in there because if anything, he's got pretty good speed. He can get down the field and they need to if break up the secondary and not, you know, Hey, if you want to, if you want to go man to man, if you want to press me, we're going to send our fastest guy down the field and maybe we connect, maybe we don't, but we're going we're gonna to scare the hell out of you and say, okay, this is what they're capable of doing. Because they do, if nothing else, Iowa has a quarterback who can throw the ball 75 yards out of the field. You know, so if, if they're at the 42 of their own uh, minus territory and they send Jacob Bostic on a go route and they miss the, the, the chip at the 
I would expect I would expect that to be part of it. Now, as far as the uh, the, the other um, freshmen, do you expect any others to play? I mean, Drew Stevens could be one, but beyond that, I don't know about that. I don't know if this is the game for it. Maybe they have somebody somewhere. Um, I guess I, I really wouldn't know beyond those. You know, TJ Hall and, and Wampa definitely will be on special teams, though. I wonder about running back. It seems like yeah, they're kind of true. undecided on those two guys, which guy. And you talked about it. I thought you had a really good point, uh, whether it was last week or the week before. Maybe they go four and four mm-hmm. with those guys, four games and four games, and then maybe continue to play the one guy who emerges out of the two. For sure, because, you know, I I mean, obviously the, the Williams is, is, is they don't they really <laughs> like, you know, the, and, and I like him too. I think they're really good. I think Caleb Johnson – probably fits exactly what they want. Maybe uh, I look at it, you know, you, you kind of look at him as how do you project him? Well, he could be LaShawn Daniels, but with more talent. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's uh, pretty good. That's probably about fits what Iowa wants out of a running back, but with Patterson, um, he brings an element that they don't have. And that's, you know, really electrifying speed at times and quickness. And, and so I think in some ways it might be kind of flow to the game, you know, who kind of, what do they need at that juncture? And, and may, maybe it's, you know, like, let's say this week, maybe it's all four, you know, just see what they got next week against Iowa state. Maybe they trim that by one, you know, okay. Johnson you're in or Patterson you're in and Johnson you're out and then uh, play both again against Nevada. Then kind of wait and see how it goes the rest of the way. And then, cause you never know about injuries of course. And, and, uh, you know, just kind of how the things develop. But, yeah, you're right. There, there'll definitely be at least one, and maybe both running backs. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean, I don't see any Connor Colby's on the offensive line coming through um, just because they have some depth there and yeah. guys that are a couple years in now. and Maybe, maybe a tight Edison end. Ostranga. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know where that competition between him and Jacuzzi and, uh-huh. uh, and Stilianos is for that yeah. third spot. Yeah, that's a great point. And special teams may figure into that. Yeah, and, good point. You know, who, who's back in kick return? And I would anticipate, usually they put a backup tight end or two. I wonder about Ostranga. I think he's probably on the on the line. If they think he's the third best, he'll play. If they're not sure, I don't know that he will. Because um, you look at their front line is usually pretty fast. Linebacker slash defensive back types even a wide receiver. Oh, not this week. It better not. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, then your kind of your middle diamond or whatever will be really physical players, fullbacks, some linebackers, even some defensive linemen. So uh, I, I don't know if he f- would fit that bill. I don't know if he's physical enough right now. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, 
or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Okay, we're going to hop into some picks for the week, and then we'll keep you guys waiting for our game-by-game predictions here. Uh, We'll start with tonight's game, Scott. We've got Penn State minus four at Purdue with a total of – what is the total in that game? Haven't seen it. Doesn't matter. We're not picking totals. Point spread's four. Uh, Let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Penn State, but I think it is gonna be very very close. Um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 34-28. So um, so it's a tough cover. This is a great this is a great number because I um, but yeah I'll go I'll pick. Penn State to cover, but I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going with you. I got Penn State close game. I think uh, I think I agree with you. I think that four is a pretty good number. I think it went up. I think it opened at three or three and a half, and it's kind of bumped up a little bit. And uh, when you get off that field goal uh, spread, that's uh, that gets a little tricky. Uh, so we both got Penn State. The other game tonight is. Uh, the Jerry Kill Classic up in Minneapolis. Uh, Jerry Kill brings New Mexico State to uh, his old stomping grounds uh, in Minnesota against the Gophers, and this is a big number. So uh, 38 and a half, Scott. All right. You there? <laughs> I'm here. It's okay. uh, it's still glitching on me. Okay. Um, tonight, the other one is uh, what New Mexico State at uh, Minnesota, which normally you would just go whatever. Um, okay, I'll flip back and forth during the commercials or halftime. Uh, but this one actually is kind of fascinating because it's a grudge match. You know, Jerry Kill going to. Uh, but he's still. to win big I like to go for his to win big I think they win 58 to 10 just just blow them completely out of the water and I think PJ Fleck might even throw a halfback option pass with three minutes to go uh to, to put him over the top and, and to cover I wonder if he'll use all his timeouts at the end of the game even if they're up by like 45 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't, uh, can't, as Kirk said a few years ago, uh, you thought, you know, he said uh, up there that I figured we'd leave the timeouts here to avoid the bus. <laughs> and uh, I, I just wonder if they'll even shake hands. I, I don't even know if they'll do that. Yeah, that's a huge number. And I hate throwing that many points, but I think this is a complete and total mismatch. And like you said, there's that juice, there's that history, there's that tension. Um, that can backfire too if, on Minnesota, but I don't see it just from a talent standpoint. I think this is, uh, I think this is a probably an out and out ass kicking. Um, let's see. Tomorrow night we've got uh, the Broncos of Western Michigan at Mel Tucker's Michigan State Spartans. 
The number there is 16 and a half. These are always tricky when you have the in-state max school against the uh, power five in-state school. Yeah, and the Broncos are a bowl caliber team too. It's not just your, you know, run it up the score against a bad Mac team. I mean, Eastern Michigan for years was kind of that way, and then they've since improved. But, um, you know, and Mel Tucker last year hit a grand slam with the transfer portal. And uh, this, you know, so you, you got to wonder this year, he, he hit a lot of really good players. But as we saw with Nebraska, that didn't always matter. And, and I, I like Michigan State to win, probably to cover. I'll say they cover somewhere in the neighborhood of like 31 to 10. But uh, I don't think this is going to be that. It's not going to be like Minnesota or New Mexico State. I don't think it's going to be a game where you just go, oh, boy, you know, are they going to try to get hit a, a point a minute? I think this one could be competitive. You know, to, it might take middle of the fourth quarter before they uh, get their uh, second teamers out there. Yeah, I don't think I would touch this one. And I know that I didn't give you that option because we're just picking every game. But this is one of those games kind of like the, uh, the Penn State-Purdue. I don't think I would bet just the line on that game. I would yeah. do something else, uh, you know, put it in a, a teaser or do something, put, you know, play the total. Um, I think the, the numbers on these game, those two games are just too good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go with you and take Michigan state throwing the 16 and a half, but I wouldn't do it with my own. Um, we go to Bloomington, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Bielema and the fighting Illini one and oh after the smashing of why a bad wyoming team last week uh to play indiana friday night down there a night another night game we're gonna have a bunch of big 10 games the next two nights which which will be nice um that that spread is that spread is indiana minus three and a half i think the wrong team is favored here i like illinois with the points i'm 100 in agreement with you on this uh they already had a game and they had one just last Saturday at home. So, you know, what is the, the cliche uh, about early season games is you make your biggest improvement one week to the next. And uh, all the kinks that need to be worked out, they're going to work them out. They've got an outstanding running back. I don't think people understand how good Chase Brown is uh, because this league is filled with awesome running backs. Um, and we'll see most of them, Trayvon, Trayvon Henderson, Braylon Allen, Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota, uh, and I would I would put Chase Brown in that category. I think he has a really good game. Indiana didn't even win a game last year in the Big Ten. At least, uh, you know, Illinois beat Penn State and some others. So I like I like the Illini. And, and in fact, I would like the Illini even if they were favored by three and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, I think the wrong team's favored here, and that would lead me the, of the games we've talked about so far. I like this one the best, which means it'll probably not come through. Um, We talked about the Iowa-South Dakota State game. That's 15 and a half. I don't Um, like that number at all. I don't know that I would ever bet that. No, I would stay away from that one as well. Um, Saturday, also at 11 a.m. Central Time, we have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at Boston College Eagles. Very interesting game, Scott. Boston College favored by seven and a half. That number looks a little screwy. Yeah. I, uh, this one's a little freaky for me. Um, You know, you've got a couple of different factors here. I mean, they used to be in the same league. um, So they competed against one another for a long time. They're in the same neighborhood. So they they know each other 
you know, probably recruiting wise very well. Um, I would probably, I don't know how to pick this one out, right. I'll, I'll shoot for it. And I'll say, um, cause you know, Jeff, what Hefley is the coach at, at, at Boston college. He's was, he used to be at Ohio state. I think he did a really nice job, but I'm going to go, I'm going to say Boston college wins, but I'm going to take Rutgers in the points. I think it's like a field goal game. And, and I, I so I like BC to win, like say 23, 20, 27, 24, something like that. But I think I'll, I would take Rutgers in the points if I'm going that way. Yeah. I'm with you. I think it's a defensive battle. Um, neither offense is, is very good. And uh, that hook, that half point was, is the one that would yeah. lead me towards taking Rutgers in the points. Because uh, even if Boston College wins, yeah, I'm good at math. Even if Boston College wins by a touchdown, you still win with Rutgers, yeah. and I that that would be the that's the deciding factor for me. I think it stays within a touchdown game, so I'm going to take the seven and the hook on that one. Uh, going down the list here. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Charlie Jones, his former yeah. school, uh, the Buffalo Bulls, will be at Maryland. Maryland throwing 20 points here. When's the last time they were favored by 20? Probably when they played New Mexico State, if they ever had. <laughs> yeah, they, they've had a few of those when they play some of those FCS teams early in the year. Remember last year when they were 4-0 playing Iowa and they just crushed some teams. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you're not really there. I like Maryland in this one. I would throw the points. Uh, they have a big pass offense. Dante Demas is back. Uh, Talia Tagaviola. They're going to score and score and score and score. Their defenses, well, we'll see. But um, I don't know that Buffalo can keep up with them. I think this is one of those blowouts that gets everybody uh, really excited. Uh, places like where I work, where they they like offense. And, oh, look, Maryland's <laughs> a good team. And I like last year. And um, But, yeah, I would, give, I would give the points. I would take Maryland. Yeah, I'm with you for the same reasons. I think Maryland's offense has a chance to be really explosive, and I think they'll put up points, and I don't think Buffalo can keep up. Uh, also, a lot of 11 a.m. Central Time games on Saturday, Scott. The Colorado State Rams, who South Dakota State and Iowa both beat last season, uh, is at, they're at the big house against Michigan, and uh, Wolverines throwing 29. Yeah, this is Jay Norvell's first game with Colorado State, and I think he's a really good coach. He proved it at Nevada, and um, and so I think he'll have them ready, but ready for what? Um, you know, I, I you're going to see a lot of Case McNamara. I'm sure you'll throw in some J.J. McCarthy. They have uh, Ronnie Bell back at wide receiver. They lost some offensive linemen. Certainly defensively, they'll, they won't be what they were, not without Aiden Hutchison, who was fantastic, by the way, on Hard Knocks, and uh, David Ojabo. I like the Wolverines to cover here at home. Um, I, I don't think that this reflects poorly upon the Rams and Jay Norvell. It's their first game. This is not the environment. This is not the team to do that against. So I think Michigan wins fairly decisively, probably in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, 45 to 10, you know, something like that. Yeah, I throw the points here. Just first-year coach, I think he gets this thing going, um, but it's going to take a little bit. And I think Michigan comes out and rolls here. Uh, Just too much talent, too much of a talent differential. Uh, (laughs) We move on uh, to – uh, our old friend over in Lincoln, not a good opening week for the Huskers. Uh, Nebraska throwing 22 and a half 
against the North Dakota Fighting Hawks? Well, they better. <laughs> I mean, after last week, I, I think they do. I think they probably bounce back offensively and look pretty good. I, I thought they looked pretty good at times. In the second half, they didn't. Um, you know, and then defensively, they just got wore down by, a, you know, a grinding running attack. And I mean, I could go on a rant about Nebraska and how they have not yet learned how to play Big Ten football. And, and that is, you've got to be, you've got to, they got to look at themselves as, we need to be a developmental program in the Big Ten. And we need to, to play line of scrimmage football. And if they can at least match the physicality week in and week out of Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, those teams, then they can do whatever the hell they want as far as schematics goes in the backfield. But they haven't been able to do that, and they haven't been able to do that yet. Um, I do think they win. I think they cover. I think they score probably 50-plus. Um, they give up a little bit of points, but they do have an explosive offense. They have some really good playmakers, um, you know, and Northwestern can handle them because they have an outstanding coach. I don't know that North Dakota can. So I like them to win probably like 51 to 20, something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a get right game for Nebraska, um, but I don't think it's going to get them right for the rest of the season. I just don't see this thing working out for Scott Frost. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Um, But I think they get to one and one and cover up this spread. Um, Another big number in Madison, Scott, is the 6 p.m. Under the lights at Camp Randall, Wisconsin, minus 33 against FCS Illinois State. This is a number I would not touch um, because Wisconsin and Iowa are real similar in this. Ground acquisition, they're going to swallow up uh, Illinois State. They're not going to – if they get one scoring drive, a touchdown drive, I'd be surprised. If, if they get more than three, I'd be very, very surprised as far as even scoring, you know, including field goals. Wisconsin's going to grind them up into a little bit of a meatball. Brandon Raylan Allen's going to have 250 yards, four touchdowns, something like that. But as we know, you get into the fourth quarter and there's that backdoor issue. And I think that's possible here. So while I like Wisconsin to win big, I don't know that I, I'm scared of this cover scenario because um, I think they could win 38 to seven, um, you know, 38 to six. So I'm going to, if I'm taking Wisconsin to win big, but I'm also taking Illinois state to cover just because I think this is a bad number. I'm with you again. I like the Redbirds, and I'm going to take the 33. I just, it's, you know, when you look at Iowa versus South Dakota State, South Dakota State's better than Illinois State, but 15 and a half is the Iowa spread. This is more than double that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Similar, similar matchups. I think Wisconsin probably wins more than by more than Iowa, but by 33, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there with that one. Yeah. Um, And then we, we have the marquee matchup, Scott. Yeah. Uh, at the at uh, the shoe, uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Marcus Freeman, first year head coach, against Ohio State, which everybody has going to the playoff and winning the Big Ten. Thirteen and a half. That's a strong number. Um, I am going to take the the Buckeyes. I think Notre Dame plays hard. I just don't think they're good enough and. I like them in the neighborhood of something like 31 to 14. Um, 
and I, I, that doesn't to me diminish Notre Dame from being a top 10 team. I think they're capable of that. I think they're fifth now. Uh, but I think Ohio State's their explosiveness at home, at night. The, those are a lot of factors for first-year coach, and I'm not sure that they have the firepower to keep up at all. Nobody does. Nobody does. You know, not, not, no, you know so I like the Buckeyes to win. and Maybe they give some points. Um, you know, the backdoor part of it, you know, might be a factor, but I think Ohio State definitely wins the game. Yeah, I think Ohio State covers this up. I think a motivated Ohio State is a dangerous Ohio State, and they're going to be motivated for this one. After what happened last year, and then just playing, everybody's motivated to play Notre Dame. That's just the nature of uh, the sport. So I think this is a, uh, a a situation where Ohio State scores easily into the 30s, potentially 40 against a pretty good Notre Dame defense, and I just cannot see Notre Dame keeping up with the Buckeyes. So there's our slate. Take it for what it's worth. Entertainment purposes only. Don't bet based on what Scott and I say, because we don't want you to lose any money. And if you, if you win, make sure you send someone. Away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know it, what's funny about this is, um, you know, we, we talk about schedules a lot. Who's got a tough schedule in Iowa, of course, gets brought up a lot. Ohio State has a very tough, tough schedule um, because they not only have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, uh, but they also, from their crossovers, they play Iowa and, and Wisconsin and you know, Notre Dame to start the season. And then they're going to have to play the best team in the West, you know, whether that's a Minnesota or, or an Iowa or Wisconsin, um, certainly not Nebraska as predicted. Um, and, you know, they even have to go, you know, tricky ones like at Maryland where yeah. that is a team that can keep up with them. You know, that if they don't play well defensively, that Maryland is one that could go score for score. Because they do have that kind of offense. Now, They've given them problems in the past, not often, yes. but they have. Yeah, I remember one year where it went in overtime, and yeah. they went for two, and, and didn't, you know, didn't get it and stuff, and and you know, just you know, and, and then even Ohio State has to play at Northwestern, which you know, based on what we saw, the one thing that you wor- you worry about if you're um, Ohio State is if you're not if the other team can defend you reasonably well and they can be physical at the point of attack, which I think some of the teams in the West can, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin all have that capability. You know, it, it could be a grind. So, but, but in their case, I think they're by far the best team in the division, in the conference. They've got those six games plus the Big Ten ch- uh, West champ. Um, they're going to have, they're going to be ready for the playoff in my eyes. Yeah, they'll earn it if they get there, no doubt about it. It's not going to be, you know, Big Ten team gets in there, um, by the skin of its teeth. If it gets in there, it's going to earn it. And um, I think Ohio State wins the the East. I think Iowa probably wins the West. But I think wild, it's going to be a wild West. We'll talk about that more in a second after we get through the game-by-game. Game. For the Hawkeyes, Scott and I will give you our game-by-game game predictions. We both have Iowa winning this opener, and we've discussed that, so we don't need to go over that again. Week two is Iowa at Iowa State. Um, uh, I think that's the other way. it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, Iowa State at Iowa. Thankfully, yeah. I don't have to drive to Ames. Yeah, about <laughs> thanks. I would have been gone. All, I would have been the only one in Ames. Week yeah. two. Um, I think it's going to be an ugly game. That week two game. I just think it's going to be kind of a rock fight type of game, kind of like last year where they just kind of feel each other out and 
play kind of conservative offensively and wait for the other team to make a mistake. Um, I think Iowa wins a close one. Um, I've got it 24-16. I, uh, I went with Iowa 19-16 in double overtime. So kind of, <laughs> kind of comparable. Um, I, and I, I wrote about it um, on my predictions on Sunday, and I wrote at the end, I expect a defensive fistfight that will last more than four quarters because um, this game scares me even more than, North, than the South Dakota State game because one thing about Iowa State, that they're kind of similar to Iowa in that, that when they have high expectations, they haven't fared real well, but when they don't, then they come out and pretty motivated. And they are motivated. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they were talking about Iowa at media day, and I wasn't asking about Iowa. So you know, you know that it's in their head. They've lost six straight. And the last seven years, they haven't held the trophy. Um, the The scary part is, again, like we talked about earlier with the offense, if they can't pass, and that's a good defense, <laughs> yes. they could be in real trouble. They could really be in the, in a grind. And and when you have a receiver like Xavier Hutchinson, when you have a, a new quarterback you don't have a lot of film on who's going to fill it up, I mean, they're 37-point favorites against SEMO. They're going to freaking roll them 60 to 10. Um, Hunter Deckers is, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, stronger arm than, uh, uh, you know, the Brock Purdy. He's going to show some skills. You know, again, one play can get you beat in this type of a game. But I have the Hawkeyes winning a close one at home. But it's going to be one where there's going to be a lot of people that are need to take some, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll need to take some uh, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Week three, Scott, under the lights at Kinnick, 630 uh, on BTN, Nevada. We thought this would be, as you mentioned earlier, Jay Norvell homecoming. He ended up going to Colorado State, so – this is the worst team on Iowa's schedule in my mind. So um, I've got Iowa winning this one pretty easily. I've got it 34 to nine. I could see it worse than that, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, if Carson Strong was a pretty good quarterback for them in the past, um, he's not there. He's He just got cut from the NFL. I don't know if he gets, got signed with the practice team or not. But, um, yeah, if Jay Norvell was coming, I'd think, ah, you know, this might be a semi-competitive game for a little while. But at, at Kinnick, under the lights, as we haven't had one of those games since 2019. Um, you know everybody's going to be rocking and rolling in, in the sauce all day. I got Iowa winning 45 to three. I think this is where they just get out and it's a steamroller after two tough opening games. In my opinion, this one's going to be one where they just let it all hang out. And that's for the fourth quarter. Maybe we get to see Joey Labus. Uh, maybe we get to see some other stuff. So. Uh, week four is uh, the big 10 opener. I will travel halfway across the country and go to New Jersey to play Rutgers. Uh, tricky game, uh, just because it's the first Big Ten game. It's the first road game. Uh, it's the first, you know, for a lot of guys on the road. So um, I think it's going to be relatively close, Scott. I've got Iowa winning by a touchdown. Uh, could be, I think, I put, I think I've got 20 to 13. I think it's a, more of a defensive tussle here, similar to Iowa State, but Iowa State's better than Rutgers. Yeah, the one difference I have is, you know, with Rutgers last year on offense, they were in the 120s 
in almost every major category. They were worse than Iowa, if you can believe that. Yeah. You know, nine passing touchdowns, less than 20 points per game. Um, so they are, you know, and their, their defense was mid-pack. I think they're going to play hard. Um, and you do have, you know, probably the, the best matchup of all is the, are the punters. Adam Korsak <laughs> and uh, Tory Taylor. I think you've got two guys that are well on their way to being uh, uh, two of the greatest uh, punters in college in Big Ten history. But I got Iowa winning. Probably, probably too big was my score. I, you know, a- after you put the post these, you know, sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I am 34 to six. I just don't think much of Maryland's offense, and I mean you know, Rutgers' offense. I do think of Maryland's offense, um, and I think the Hawkeyes win decisively. Yep, certainly. I can certainly see that. I uh, I keep thinking about the other Rutgers games against uh, the oh. Rutgers came out there, and I'm like, hey, that was ugly. But that was um, the worst. That was the worst game I think I've covered. I mean, just because it was two offenses that it wasn't just this defensive struggle. We've seen those games. No, it was pathetic offense. Yeah, it was it was bad. I mean, I think Akram scored the touchdown in the fourth quarter and win the game on it. You know, so at least gave us a storyline that day. But. <laughs> you know, to do it at home. Maybe, maybe Nico Regani comes back and it's that kind of game. Uh, week five, uh, game five, I think we have a battle of unbeatens here, Scott, with Michigan coming to Iowa City. Um, I've seen the Kinnick magic too much in situations when games set up like this. I'm taking the Hawkeyes 17-16. We're in the same ballpark. And um you know, this one's going to, you know, much to everybody's chagrin, it's not going to be at night. It's going to be, if you're lucky, it might be a mid-afternoon game, but probably it's going to be a, a 11 o'clock. You'll have big Fox here, maybe game day. We'll see. Last time ever, probably, um, if you do. Uh, this is this is one of those, I, I said the same thing, that, you know, Iowa since 2008 is 5-1 and against top five competition at Kinnick. The only loss was in the last play of the game at Penn State. Um I when Michigan hit that flea flicker in the fourth quarter, I, I turned to I think it was you know either Nick or Nicole who I was with it, you know from the athletic. I'm like, they will remember this. Trust me. Um, <laughs> next year, um, I've seen too many of these. I just like you. I, I put it's games like this where Kinnick becomes a four quarter steel cage match, and the Wolverines know this all too well because they haven't beaten Iowa and Kinnick since '05. So I've got the Hawkeyes winning 16 13. Um, very, very physical game, but you know, who knows, you know, it could be, uh, maybe the ne- the kicker becomes the next yeah. Rob Houtland, Keith Duncan. October 8th, Scott, Iowa travels to Illinois. This will be after Brett Bielma got COVID last year. This will actually yeah. be the first matchup with him, uh, coaching actually on the sideline against Iowa. Um, I, this one is a little scary. Um, I'm interested to see how Illinois looks going forward after that Wyoming game. Um, I think this could be a tight game. I've got Iowa winning this one, 28-16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're on a similar wavelength <laughs> there on this. Uh, I said Iowa will become the national darlings for a week and, and vault up the rankings. Um, Illinois lo- loses a ton of, of pieces, but you know Bielema is going to have them ready for this. Now, the one problem for them is – that they uh, they actually play at Wisconsin the week before, mm-hmm. so that is a, a matchup, maybe even more so that that's a lot of focus is on him. But they're going to come back home. I I actually think this one might be at night. I think this might be a BTN six o'clock type game. 
in uh, in Champaign. Uh, Maybe I they think can get more than five thousand people at the stadium that are Iowa fans. Yeah, they might get like ten. <laughs> they might get like ten thousand Iowa and thirty thousand Illini. It might be the most well attended Illini game for, in years. They must have gave those gave away something to the students last week for that Wyoming game because the student section was full. I was like, they've given away pizza, beer, or both. Uh, they could. It's 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 the same thing as uh, Carver, right? <laughs> yeah. Although it is early in the season, yeah, and there's nothing true. to do. You're on campus. It's different than when we see them where it's it's a cold in November and they suck and they know they're going to lose and it's like ah, I don't want to go to that game. Uh, plus, this is early October, so it might be a nice day regardless. I, I think this is going to be a hangover effect. They've started slow against Illinois the last two years, falling behind by double digits. I think it could happen again. I do think Iowa wins. I have a 23-13, but just kind of this game that, you know, if they ever have an iClub trail again, they're not going to talk much about. Yep, agreed. Um, then a bye, so we're going to do nothing for Saturday, right? Then a bye, and then uh, <laughs> they like to put the Northwestern game right around Halloween a lot. And uh, yeah. this year, uh, homecoming. Uh, yeah, but you're, miss, you're missing a game there. Did I miss one? Yeah, a pretty big one. Oh, yeah. I was hoping to skip over that one, but Scott's yeah. going to make me talk about Iowa at Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State 31, Iowa 17. Uh, Ohio State 45, Iowa 23. And they scored the last like 10 points of the game. So uh, not a good matchup for Iowa to me nope. at this point in the season. I, I think that at that location, the Death Star, there's going to be a lot of uh, – you know, there, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> passes that they're not going to be able to keep up with. It just, it, at certain times a year, you can, you know, maybe they'll grow, but that's not one. I think they lose. In fact, uh, I, I thought about it and I, I thought better of it. I was going to put 55 24, but uh, <laughs> uh, I went 45 23. Yeah, this could be woodshed wood reversed. Yeah. Uh, then we've get, got Northwestern at Iowa on the 29th. Fitz will enjoy that that's homecoming. He'll play that up with his team. And uh, going to be another slog like some of these other games we've talked about. I've got Iowa winning 19 to 12. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but I just, yeah. it's going to be an ugly game. So I picked a goofy score. I wrote my score before Saturday's game, unfortunately. And, and uh, I have Iowa 24 to nine, but, you know, and I, I think I even said, I think, you know, about Fitzgerald, he's too good of a coach. They they don't have the defense that they did have, which is true. They don't. Um, and a couple of years ago, I think Iowa gets them back on fat on the track in pseudo ugly fashion, and a late defensive score makes it look more decisive than it was twenty four to nine. So yeah, I can see it like just uh, you know just that kind of game, kind of like Illinois in some ways, where you're just like just win, just get it yep. over with, move on. Iowa at Purdue on November 5th. This will be a fun one with the uh, storylines going into this one. Um, I just don't like this matchup for Iowa. I, I don't. It's kind of like a Styles thing. And I've got Purdue 24-21. Okay. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's funny. When, when they were hooked up together in the Legends and Leaders days, they were called most hated rivals. And now it's kind of come true. Um, this is, I, I call this the the ultimate prove-it game for Iowa. If you yep. can't win this one, it's going to be a long November. And after losing four out of five, you better get this, you better get your shit together against this team because it, it's, 
it's strange because Phil Parker does a fantastic job against everybody else but Purdue. And they did nothing. They had no adjustments. Now, I will say, Charlie Jones is not David Bell. And uh, there's no Milton Wright out there. Uh, but, you know, Tyrone Tracy is going to be very motivated. But Iowa's going to be very motivated, too. I, it's hard to say what the, how the injury situation will what it'll shape up to be. Who knows? Maybe Brody Brecht will be trending as a, you know, an elite wide receiver by then. But I went out on a limb. I picked Iowa 31-27. I think this is a game that's going it, it, to be tough. But I, Purdue doesn't have Karloftis or Bell. Aiden O'Connell is going to give them fits. But I think they can pull this out. I think they have a better roster. It's certainly better than does. Definitely a swing game. Wisconsin at Iowa on November 12th. I've got the Hawkeyes winning this one 13 to 10. Yeah. I have Iowa 17, 13. I, I said, I described it as a flannel shirted, barrel chested lumberjack bellies up <laughs> next to a scruffy faced, broad shouldered construction worker. And then they argue over beer and spend the next three hours trading blows. And that, that to me is Iowa, Wisconsin in a nutshell. Uh, so it's the biggest, most physical game on the schedule. The team who wins the rushing battle is 119 out of 21. Um, under Kirk Ferentz. So Would Iowa have 24 last year, yards rushing, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Bad. God. They've had some bad, bad, bad games um, in that. And uh, they've won one where they had less, and they lost one where they had uh, more. You know, yeah. so it's uh, now, but the, the one that they won or the one that they lost was in 01. It was like 173 to 172. So it's just pretty much non existent difference. So. Yeah, I think this is a big one. I think back to back that could be, uh, you know, there's a, there's three to four games that make it very difficult. So, but anyway, I have Iowa seventeen thirteen. Uh, November nineteenth, it'll be cold up in Minneapolis. Uh, Hawkeyes at Gophers, battle for Floyd of Rosedale. I got Minnesota twenty three to twenty. Man, I don't know if you called or what, but uh, I, <laughs> I have I have the Gophers. 27-20, I think that this is just too, too many emotional, tough games in a row for Iowa. And going to Purdue, I have them winning, you have them losing. Playing Wisconsin at home, going to the, the Flexville, you know, and he would sell half his body parts to get, have Floyd and the Axe at the same time, yep. in which he would for at least a week if that happens. So I think that there's just too many games in a row. It's a physical team. And I got the go- mighty Gophers pulling out a win against Iowa 27-20. Then we wrap up Black Friday, Scott. Uh, Huskers come to Kinnick. Uh, 31-20, Iowa. I, I, again, I picked this one before last week's game, 27-21. Because I, I, I wasn't sure, is you know Scott Frost going to be Big Ten Coach of the Year favorite? Or is he going to be walking the plank? Or, potentially in the water by now. And so I'm, I'm going safe by six points, but I think Iowa wins either way. And uh, I, I'd say based on what we saw the other last week, you know, that's a tough month for them because yeah. they go Minnesota at home at Michigan, Wisconsin at home, then Iowa. So even if they're like, say five and three going into that final month, thinking you got a shot. Those are teams that they just don't handle very well because they're so physical on long line of scrimmage. And so by week four, they could be shot, uh, the, you know, and Scott Frost might be shot literally. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't want to go there. But... 
Uh, so I've got nine and three, six and three in the Big Ten. What did you come up with? I didn't count yours. I didn't write yours down. I, I have 10 and two, seven and two uh, going to Indianapolis. Yeah, I think that West is going to be wild, and I think it's going to come down to tiebreakers of some sort. And I think Iowa can emerge from that pack, but I haven't really sat down and figured out, you know, who beats who uh, yeah. from the other games. But I think it certainly can be Iowa. I think Ohio State's the, the clear choice in the East. Uh, I think, what, four teams maybe from, from the West could win it? I could see, you know, and a lot of that is the unbalanced schedule, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota and Purdue have easier schedules than Wisconsin and Iowa, and that could be the difference. Yeah, the difference is who plays Ohio State and who doesn't. Because yeah. even playing a Michigan, a Penn State, those are teams that you can be competitive with. And, and I think Iowa's proven that over the years. Ohio State is one that nobody's yeah. competitive with. Um, so I think that could be the, the deciding factor potentially. I think a lot's going to depend on tonight, frankly, with yeah. Purdue and Penn State. If Penn State, uh, can, if Purdue can beat Penn State, they could be a six and one, seven and zero oh kind of team for a while. So, I have Iowa actually losing a very close game to Ohio State the second time around, and part of that is because I've seen this team rebound better than any other program in the country. That they know how to put the past in the past and move forward really well. And and I haven't losing my field goal, but I can see them, you know. So anyway, I, I think that. I, then I would have them 10 and three and I put them in the orange bowl um, that they would be the number three of the big 10 teams uh, in the rankings behind Michigan. You know, I think Michigan loses twice. They lose three times. Michigan somehow vaults them. Everybody gets pissed off because they get to go to the Rose bowl and Iowa doesn't, but they still get to go to the orange bowl. Um, and, you know, but then the other day I was, I was pretty nervous about it, you know, with all the stuff with the wide receivers, I'm like, man, did I, did I hometown this? Did I, looked on the bright side, which I might have, but I, I still feel pretty confident this is a really good team, especially on defense. We'll get our first taste on Saturday, 11 a.m. Central kick at Kinnick. Get there, uh, have fun, be safe, and uh, we will talk to you next week on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. We'll have a game to review and then a little game that will be coming up uh, next weekend. Uh, everybody's favorite, the Cyhawk game, so we'll get Get, uh, we'll run that down and, and review this past week's game, and I'm sure we'll have other things to talk about. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to the sponsors, and we will talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Scott. Bye, Scott.